0: It's tough to foreshadow something in a way that doesn't give the game away, but is also recognisable by general audiences in retrospect, and in the case of the following movies, the foreshadowing was so damn sneaky that just about nobody ever noticed it. But with some help from the fine folks at R movie details, it's time to shine a light on these all-time feats of cinematic foreshadowing, each leaving a ludicrously sly hint of coming events hidden in plain sight. I'm Josh from WhatCulture.com and these are 10 movies with ridiculously subtle foreshadowing that nobody noticed. Number 10, Miss Luton's stained glass window foretells her death by knife, Final Destination. The Final Destination franchise is all about foreshadowing, and while there's nothing subtle about each film's protagonist witnessing a premonition of their own demise, filmmakers throughout the series have included more sly nods to characters' fates. The original movie is especially great for this, and though it's been well documented that the opening plane crash sequence includes visual nods hinting at the deaths of several prominent characters, there's one hidden in place. In sight much later in the movie. Teacher Miss Luton meets her untimely demise midway through the film in spectacularly OTT fashion, being fatally impaled by a kitchen knife before her house then explodes. Now, the scene misdirects audiences by making them believe that she's more likely going to be killed by her mug leaking liquid into her computer monitor. But the truth is illustrated directly behind Miss Luton in this moment just check out the stained glass window behind her as she approaches her smoking monitor. There is a single knife blade featured, which of course delivers her darkly comedic demise a few moments later when she accidentally knocks a knife off the kitchen worktop into her chest. Number 9. Amy's pen collection reveals her true nature, Gongo. David Finch's Gongo is a masterfully wrought mystery thriller about the disappearance of Amy Dunn and the intense suspicions surrounding her shady husband Nick. But the movie's big twist is that Amy is actually alive and well, having faked her own kidnapping in order to frame Nick after he had an affair with a student. Yet attentive viewers can catch a frankly brilliant sliver of foreshadowing in one of the movie's opening scenes, where we briefly observe Amy writing in her diary, a diary which is later entered as evidence to suggest that Nick was an abusive husband. Ultimately it turns out that Amy fabricated the diary to further heighten suspicion around Nick, and literally three minutes into the movie we can see a number of different coloured pens with their lids off on the table next to the diary. While audiences won't think any of this on a first viewing, it is of course a blatant clue that Amy is cooking up the diary entries, using different pens to make it seem as though they were written at different times. That's David Finch's commitment to detail for you. 8. Bob has a portrait of a deer above his head because he's going to die, the killing of a sacred deer. Yokos Lanthimos's deeply discomforting psychological thriller, The Killing of a Sacred Deer, definitely isn't for everyone. Revolving around a cardiac surgeon Steven who was cursed by a teenage boy and given a choice. Either kill one member of his family or watch them all die. At the end of the film, Steven finally decides to kill a member of his family by tying them all up and randomly firing a rifle at one of them while he's blindfolded. This causes the horrifying death of his young son Bob, in turn breaking the curse. However, Bob's sacrificial death is basically signposted earlier in the movie, when after Bob wakes up and can't feel his legs, the first step of the three-part curse, we see the painting of a deer hanging above his bed. Given that Bob is ultimately the sacred deer who dies in the film's climax, it's pretty clear in its implications, though the painting is also faint enough to be easily missed in the otherwise unremarkable shot. Number 7, Frank's wife is reading a book about getting pregnant because he's infertile, The Departed. Martin Scorsese's Oscar-winning mob classic The Departed is wholly concerned with perceived masculine potency. Much of the film is centered around sexual impotence and fertility, what with the clear implication that Colin Sullivan is impotent and his girlfriend Madeline was actually impregnated by her secret lover Billy. A climactic confrontation between Sullivan and mob boss Frank Costello also seems to confirm that Costello was infertile as well. As Sullivan mockingly says to him, all that murdering and f**king and no sense. The shooting script even includes an additional line which was cut from the final film where Sullivan adds, what are you, shooting blanks before shooting Costello dead. Costello's infertility is basically confirmed if you pay close attention to a scene earlier in the film though, where his much younger wife Gwen can be seen reading a book called Getting Pregnant. Whether self-motivated or encouraged to research her own fertility by an anxious Frank, it's clear that the pair have struggled to conceive a baby, as is backed up by Sullivan's taunting comment moments before he kills Frank. Number 6. A musical choice spells out the big twist, Hot Fuzz Edgar Wright is one of cinema's all-time great masters of foreshadowing, and his comedy classic Hot Fuzz includes many visual and spoken nods to the movie's balmy array of twists and turns. It is eventually revealed that the serial killer slaughtering their way through the sleepy village of Sanford is actually various members of the Neighbourhood Watch Alliance, who collude to kill anyone they suspect might ruin Sanford's chances of winning Village of the Year. There are numerous hints to this hidden in plain sight earlier in the film, not least that when hotshot cop Nicholas Angel is running through Sanford shortly after moving there, the Kinks' classic tune, Village Green Preservation Society, is playing over the top. Beyond the title, the song's lyrics are very much indicative of the movie's big reveal, reading, quote, "...preserving the old ways from being abused, protecting the new ways for me and for you." Cheekily, however, Wright fades the music out just as the song reaches this part, though if you're a fan of the Kinks, you'll doubtless have them committed to memory regardless. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Us. Number 5. Linda's rage issues are literally spelled out, The Mitchells vs The Machines The recently released animated smash hit The Mitchells vs The Machines features a scene where the malevolent virtual assistant pal scans The Mitchells for perceived character flaws. The screen then fills up with a laundry list of hilarious flaws, most of which pass by too quickly for anyone to take them in without pausing the movie. Though we don't know it at the time, this scene is also basically revealing how the Mitchells will be saved at the end, by listing the flaw secret rage issues in the bottom left corner of the screen. This turns out to belong to the otherwise buttoned down mother Linda, who reveals her inner rage monster during the film's climax, basically going full mama bear to save her family from the machines. before Dex's laboratory spoils the ending, signs. M. Night Shyamalan loves to toy with audiences and includes sneaky narrative hints in his films wherever possible, though perhaps his more subtle feat of foreshadowing occurs just 15 minutes into his sci-fi smash hit *Science*. At this point, Shyamalan focuses on Graham Hess's young daughter, Bo, while she's watching the cartoon Dexter's Laboratory, the episode Don't Be a Hero, to be precise. In the scene, a Martian gets hit with a rolled-up newspaper before Dexter is dunked headfirst into a fishbowl. And lo and behold, how do the Hesse's defeat the alien? in the movie's climax. Well, Graham's brother Merrill beats up the alien with a baseball bat and then spills water on it. This foreshadowing was only recently unearthed by a keen-eyed redditor, confirming that Shyamalan's good movies just keep on giving even two decades later. Number 3. A broken Thor mural is cracked across the right eye which he loses. Thor Ragnarok. The Marvel Cinematic Universe is absolutely jam-packed with foreshadowing across its two dozen releases to date, and one of the most slyly clever ones comes late in Thor Ragnarok. Moments before Thor battles his half-sister Hela at the end of the movie, he finds a damaged Asgardian mural of himself with a large distinctive crack running across his right eye. At first glance this seems like nothing irregular, until Thor ends up losing his right eye a few minutes later while fighting Hela. Obviously, nobody had any clue what was being teed up on a first viewing, but on repeat sits, it's clear as day that director Taika Waititi was having some fun foreshadowing the grisly event about to take place. Number 2, Somerset turns to Mills when discussing Envy 7. Now this one's really subtle, so much so that only the most truly attentive of viewers have a hope in hell of noticing it. Roughly 25 minutes into David Finch's masterful Thriller 7, Detective Somerset begins reeling off the seven deadly sins, you know, gluttony, greed, sloth, wrath, pride, and lust but when he gets to the seventh and final one, Envy, he suddenly turns to his partner, Detective Mills. Now, this might seem irrelevant at an untrained glance, but considering that John Doe's Envy-based kill sees him murdering Mills' own wife, Tracy, it feels like a far more loaded, pointed movement on both Fincher and actor Morgan Freeman's parts. Some have even suggested that Mills' face is covered up by Somerset's photographs to symbolize the film's infamous head-in-a-box ending, though that's probably maybe one reach too far. Number one, the diner scene sets up the criminal's fates, Reservoir Dogs. Quentin Tarantino's debut Reservoir Dogs opens with some absolutely legendary foreshadowing. It's unforgettable diner sequence as the eight focal criminals sit down to eat breakfast ahead of their heist nods towards major events involving the four major characters. For starters, Steve Buscemi's Mr. Pink goes off about his refusal to tip waitresses, underlying his selfishness as is reflected by him attempting to flee with the diamonds at the very end. Harvey Keitel's Mr. White memorably dresses Mr. Pink down for refusing to tip, noting that it helps single mothers make ends meet, demonstrating his compassionate attitude which ultimately gets him killed when he defends Mr. Orange. Of course, Tim Roth's Mr. Orange is an undercover cop, and when gang leader Joe asks who didn't tip at the diner, Orange quickly informs on Mr. Pink, reflecting his status as a rat. Then there's Michael Madsen's Mr. Blonde, who at the diner makes several references to shooting people, indicating his generally psychopathic, bloodthirsty nature when dealing with the kidnapped cop Marvin. So, everything you need to know about what's lying in store for the focal characters is right there during this brilliantly crafted introductory scene.